0: Welcome to Love Notes from a Soul Coach, a podcast where we talk all things healing, what motivates us, what gets in our way, how do we transcend those stuck places and learn to love and accept ourselves more. I'm your host, Mary, and I've crafted each episode around real themes from my private practice and my life with the intention of sharing insight, inspiration, and just keeping each other company along the journey. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into today's show. Hello, everybody. We are going to jump right into today's show because it's a big topic and we have a lot of ground to cover. Today, we're talking about breakups. Five years ago, before I wrote my book, Love Notes from a Soul Coach, I posted an article on Medium, which wound up getting thousands and thousands of reads, and a lot of people reached out to me directly because it really spoke to them. So I wound up reworking the article and publishing it as a chapter in my book because I knew this was a relevant, universal topic within the broader context of healing that definitely deserved airtime. Breakups touch something very deep and tender in us that can be hard to heal. The pain of a breakup is very specific. And when we're in that kind of acute specific pain, we look for relief urgently. It's so hard to sit with the feelings of an ending, especially a surprise ending or an ending that feels abrupt, like we weren't ready for this to be the end. And it's so, so hard to sit with the feelings of being unwanted when we're hardwired as human beings to belong. We have this intrinsic biological pull in us to belong. There are some myths about breakups that run deep in our collective consciousness, and they're hard to reckon with sometimes. I want to look at a few of these myths or misunderstandings about breakups and I also wanna talk about how to reframe them for the sake of our healing. Because you know so often what happened and our narrative about what happened are not the same thing. So getting some clarity between the two can be deeply helpful. There's an assumption that the end of a relationship is somehow not a legitimate death and that because of this, we should be able to get over it relatively quickly or that we shouldn't require a mourning period the way we would if there had been a physical death in our lives. And you know, the absence of that ceremonial part that takes place when there has been a physical death can be part of what makes healing from a breakup so tricky. It can add to the elusiveness of the closure that we seek because we don't always have a clear path and a clear understanding of what this kind of healing looks like. There was a relationship in our lives that existed like a framework. We lived there. We lived inside that connection and now we don't live there anymore. And this connection is both literal and also psychic. Many of us can relate to the sharp pain of seeing something or hearing something and thinking automatically, oh, I have to forward this. I have to share this with my person. They're going to think it's so funny. They're going to love it. And then the smack of remembering, oh, no, I'm not going to share this. That connection isn't open between us anymore. It's that moment of habitually reaching for someone and realizing we can't reach them. There's a brutality to this. The person isn't dead, but they kind of are because we no longer have the key that opens the door that leads to them. A client and I were talking once about how no one brings you a casserole when you become estranged from a family member, but that estrangement is absolutely as real and sad and intense as losing a person to death. And in some ways, I would argue it's harder because the need for a boundary as big guns as estrangement means there is heavy trauma involved. And when there's a physical death, there's a sense of it's over. And we can say something concise to other people to let them know what we're going through. Like my parent died. That's a sentence other people can respond to straightforwardly with condolences When it comes to estrangement, it's never going to be straightforward. It's complicated. And believe me, there's a lot of back and forth within the person who established that boundary. They're second guessing, contending with guilt, feeling isolated, and sometimes hesitant to tell other people about it. Grief is hard, but complicated grief can be significantly harder because anything that amplifies that sense of being in the middle of the ocean alone with your experience, with your feelings, just makes the idea of ever being able to heal and feel better seem even more impossible. So for all of these reasons, I do feel that we should consider a breakup along the same lines as a physical death because I think it engenders compassion and self-understanding to hold it in this context contextualizing our pain is empowering for us it means we're less likely to sprinkle judgment on top of what is already hard saying things to ourselves like i should be over this by now would you say that to someone who just lost their partner in a car accident okay then don't talk to yourself that way there's no should in healing how you feel is how you feel How you acknowledge that and then work skillfully with it, those are the more helpful questions. Why am I not over this yet? What's wrong with me? Those questions are actually judgments. They are ways that we criticize ourselves when we're in pain. And what we need most is to respect our pain and listen to what it wants to share with us and also to what it needs in order to pass through. you're the one who initiated the breakup we tend to assume that if you're the one who initiated it you're okay the comforting and the compassion are reserved for the one who was left not the one who did the leaving right and while it's true that the experience of the breakup is going to be very different depending on which role you're in it is absolutely not true that the person who initiated the split is not entitled to their own version of grief. We should not assume that the person who chose to end the relationship was not also in pain. Part of the trouble here is that we live in a society that conflates endings with failures, but endings are as natural and inevitable as beginnings. Things are not actually supposed to go on forever. Forever is an illusion. It's a big part of the fairy tales we were raised on, where we were taught that we're supposed to twin with our lovers, we're supposed to shift into lockstep when we find each other and then stay that way forever. The idea that people change as they live and learn and heal and grow and that some contracts are short, this idea is threatening. It goes against what the ego can tolerate. We live in a heavily ego-identified modern culture, which leans toward victimization by default. Why is this happening to me? This shouldn't be happening to me. Me, 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 me. We are not encouraged to use depersonalized, as-seen-from-above language. It would be so different to say the contract is complete versus saying they dumped me. We can have empathy for ourselves in whichever role we find ourselves, the one who left or the one who was left. We can absolutely have empathy for ourselves and give ourselves room and permission to feel all the feelings. But we can also encourage ourselves to hold the most empowered lens. No relationship is forever other than the one you have with your own soul. That's the only forever relationship in your life. It is possible to be heartbroken and sad and angry and confused and overwhelmed and also affirm for ourselves in the midst of all those big feelings, I accept that it's over. I accept that even the pain is part of our contract. It's part of what I need to experience for the sake of my own soul's evolution I accept that their feelings changed or my feelings changed. I accept that change is the only constant in life. And I'm willing to believe that there is more to my path than this relationship and the pain of this relationship being over. There is more love for me. Another person is not the holder of my love. Their feelings about me do not determine my lovability. There are many streams that lead to the sea. Breakup pain often involves deep scarcity, a feeling of being stranded in the harbor. And I've witnessed clients and friends in my life making really unhealthy decisions in the midst of this post-breakup scarcity energy to jump on any boat that happens to come by just so they can get out of that lonely harbor. The reason breakups feel scarce is because we're scared. We're scared that if they don't want us, no one else will. We're scared that we'll never feel alive and connected and happy again. We're scared that we can't handle the pain. We're scared to be alone with ourselves. What we really want in our lives is to feel the opposite of scarce. We want to feel abundant and possible. We wanna feel like there are many options for us, many roads forward. And the way we turn our scarcity into this kind of abundance is through self-talk. It's our inner narrative that does it. We challenge what our pain is telling us. Is it really true that this person's opinion of us or their availability in our lives determines how lovable we are? Is it really true that if we're not with them, we have to live in a lonely harbor for the rest of our lives? Is it really true that if we're not in the relationship, We've lost our capacity to connect or ever feel joy again. What are other ways to feel the feelings we want to feel within ourselves? When we start exploring this, we come back into abundance. We feel less scarce and often less hurt as a result. The pain of a breakup is not actually about the other person we're no longer with. I recognize that's a confusing statement because the other person can take up huge amounts of space in our consciousness, in those early days especially of the relationship ending. But breakups are actually about the universal wound of abandonment. That's why they're so painful. The abandonment wound ties into the deep human need to belong. We are hardwired to seek connection and to want to belong to our tribe. The opposite of that belonging feeling is abandonment. It's something our brains perceive as threatening because it literally was threatening to our survival once upon a time. To be left behind by the tribe or shut out of the tribe was the ultimate vulnerable position for a person. We were not safe if we were not connected. So when we experience the deliciousness of merging and feeling integrated or deeply woven into another person's life, that need to belong is profoundly soothed. A lot of things can be going wrong, but we have our person, so we feel like we're just fundamentally okay on some level. The end of the relationship, which is so, so often Connected to the deeper spiritual growth that one or both people are going through, that ending hijacks the sense of belonging and it cuts us loose. So for many of us, the alarm bell goes off. It can feel dangerous on a visceral level in the body to be left. This is subtly different than attachment stuff. There's so much attention on attachment styles now, and I'm not going to dive into that in today's show because it's honestly too much information to squeeze into a tangent. Maybe we'll dedicate another whole episode to it, but I wanted to say for the sake of what we're talking about today, attachment is definitely another piece of the puzzle when we talk about healing from breakups. It's important to understand the human imperative to attach right out of the gates as soon as we're born. Um, So it's helpful to understand our personal attachment style in order to have a deeper knowing of what we need in partnership. But the bigger piece that comes into play when we get rocked by a breakup is how threatening and destabilizing it is for us to go from belonging to being alone and disconnected. We simply aren't built for it regardless of our attachment style. What we see over and over again as we look more deeply at our lives is this tug of war between the soul and the ego. The soul is okay with endings because it knows that on a spiritual level there are no endings. It's just endless transformation from one form to another. The soul wants to keep on moving, keep on integrating and learning and expressing. The soul is here to leap from one lily pad to another to another, to have the experiences it needs for its growth. And it doesn't take those experiences personally. The ego, on the other hand, wants to hold on. It wants to achieve its desires. It wants to establish control. And then it doesn't want anything to change. Change is so hard on the ego, a lot of resistance to change there, because the main objective for the human ego is keeping us safe. But how are we supposed to stay safe and grow at the same time? Your soul will keep pulling you to the edge of the cliff, and your ego will keep struggling to clip your leash back on and drag you to the fenced-in portion of your backyard, And between those two opposing forces, our lives unfold. There are all kinds of ways to work with the feeling of being alone after a breakup has happened. Being alone does not have to automatically translate into crushing loneliness. Solitude and loneliness are not the same thing. Endings are opportunities, they bring space, they bring a kind of pause where the habitual autopilot way of doing our days gets interrupted and we have the chance to ask ourselves, how do I want to be living? Some of us have never even asked this question before. We've been caught up responding to other people's needs or we've been editing and adjusting our desires in order to stay in alignment with what our partner wants. Maybe we've taken for granted altogether that we're even allowed to ask questions like these. How do I want to be living? Renovating my house and choosing the furniture and the layout of the space after my divorce was deeply healing for me because it was a chance to get in touch with my own taste, my own sense of self-expression. I didn't have to coordinate with anyone else's preferences. It was wild, actually, just to have the whole canvas to myself and to be able to paint my vision the way I wanted to. We can do this metaphorically in our lives inside the space that the end of a relationship creates. We can choose intentionally to regard that space as freedom for self-expression. We can design our lives in our own way, in a new way that makes us feel inspired and that supports our healing. Look, I'm not advocating here for gaslighting ourselves. I want to be really clear about that. I'm not recommending that we slap a silver lining on something in a performative, phony way or deny the pain that we feel. I'm saying that we can honor the pain and also get intentional about how we are relating to our own sense of being alone. We can choose to interpret the alone status As a pause where we get to sit at the helm now and we get to use the space in our lives that that loss has created for the benefit of our spiritual growth. I heard that the Stoics have a saying, you didn't lose them, you returned them. And this reminded me of a card someone sent me when my daughter was born with a poem inside that said, Where did you come from, baby dear, out of everywhere into here? If the truth of our existence is that we're all interconnected, we're all waves rising and falling inside the same ocean, then how can we truly lose anyone? Make sure I include a few practical tips in today's show because I know I've focused a lot on the energetics. But when we're in pain, we also need pragmatic answers to the question of what do I need to do to feel better? So here is a short list of recommendations if you've just been through a bad breakup and you're really struggling to pull yourself out. Number one, move your bed. Flip the mattress and sage the living daylights out of the space that you cohabitated in with your ex. This really matters. Change up the furniture in general. Shift things around. Change the pictures on the wall. Restack the books on the bookshelf. Set your environment up in a way that wherever you look, you see things differently. Make playlists for yourself. This is a beautiful way to inspire and just love on yourself. Be thoughtful about it. There's going to be times when you just want to let it rip and let it hurt and it will feel validating to listen to the endless supply of sad love songs that exist in the world. Lord knows there's no shortage of those. And there will also be times when you'll want to purposefully listen to things that are upbeat and positive and pull you in a different direction. Music has such a powerful ability to influence our mood and our outlook So use it to your advantage when you're nursing a heartbreak. Get flowers for yourself and put them out on a table in a part of your living space where you'll see them often and feel loved. Remember that beauty is abundant and abundant is the opposite of scarce. Cook for yourself the way you would cook for a lover. Put a lot of care and effort into it. Make it nourishing. Plate it like a professional chef Light a candle, sit down, take your time, and let the meal be a ceremonious experience. And if you need to, rage right and then burn the letter. For some of us, the end of the relationship came without warning, and we're left holding a lot of pent up feelings that need an outlet. Exercise can be super healing along these same lines. We're not just waiting for time to pass in order to feel better. We're allowing things to come up and come out. We're emptying the bucket because we know how important it is to stay actively involved with our healing. Not to wait on the sidelines, but to engage thoughtfully, allowing our loss to be metabolized and supporting ourselves tenderly in getting to the other side of the pain. Because there is another side. And it's true what they say. Rejection is really redirection. You know, your time is the most valuable asset you have in this life. So I deeply appreciate your decision to spend some of it with me today. If you heard something that resonated or brought hope or a new perspective to your life in a meaningful way... Please consider subscribing, reviewing, and sharing my podcast so it can find its way to more ears out there. If you'd like to learn more about my work, you can visit me anytime at marywelch.com. You can sign up there to join my mailing list and stay connected to all of my offerings, writings, and updates. Till next time, friends.